This is Bentley Manning. And this is Kellen Day. This is an experiment to see what happens when church gets canceled. And we find new ways to connect. This is... This is... This is... Empty Pews. It has been a bit of a break, but we are back on the podcast and are glad and happy to be back with you all for this episode. Hey, everybody. We missed you. Um, But hope you had a wonderful Christmas and a happy epiphany. Um, Both Bentley and I were on vacation for a week, so that's why we weren't back. And then Bentley was in quarantine last week. Uh, Kellen, thanks for sharing that news with everyone. I was in quarantine last week. Um, I'm fine. That was precautionary, uh, but everything is okay. I took a test. I'm COVID free. I just thought, you know, since everybody's health information is out in the open, that yours might as well sure, be too. Sure, and we've already talked about my um, exercising and that, so why not right. just let everyone know everything? Yeah, you're healthy, you're good, um, but that's why we weren't able to join you last week for a special epiphany version of the podcast. But anywho, we're back. Yeah, I was hunkered down across the street in the library. I, Kellen, I when we started this back, it's been a little, little while, and I was listening to the intro for the podcast, and we say, this is an experiment to see what happens. And you said, this is no longer an experiment. We've yep. seen how the experiment goes. Right, so if you cancel church, uh, things fall apart. That's right. People can't get together people have been dying it's been a hard it's just been a rough go it's a bad experiment yeah it's not a great one we don't want to cancel church anymore we're done we're done canceling church we'd like for it to be opened i think when we do open church back up i i I think we need to think seriously about changing the name of the podcast i disagree well tell me a little bit about your perspective we've already talked about this well they need to know I just think that most of the week, the pews are empty, right? That's right. So it's okay that this podcast comes during the week when people are out in the world, you know, living their baptismal vocation as lay people. They don't have their butts in the pews most of the time. Right. So this is like maybe speaking to that. Kind of word of encouragement. Yeah. During the weekday. That's right. I'm okay with that. Do you think we should change the music or anything about the intro when when we're done with the pandemic? I think when we get there, we'll know. I think you're right. Um, But the experiment is done. The podcast continues. We know what happens when church gets canceled. It's very sad. It's it's not good. (laughs) It's not good at all. But we're doing our best, and we certainly enjoy making this podcast and are glad to be back together with you all for this episode. Um, all right, Kellen, uh, this past week was obviously um, a wild, crazy, tragic, sad, uh, violent week in our nation's history. It will define our future and will certainly define our past uh, as Americans. 
Uh, and I, I, there's a whole lot that has already been said and is, will continue to be said about uh, what's going on in our country and what has transpired. I think one of the things that just in particular uh, comes to mind that's worth just saying on this podcast is that in the midst of that kind of violent mob storming uh, the Capitol uh, with calls and shouts for uh, the execution of the vice president were a number of Christian images. Mm -hmm. Uh, And lest there be any confusion, uh, that's not what Jesus is about. That's not what the church is about. Um, And within our own history, if there's ever been, when there have been moments of the church using the image of the cross or Christ uh, as justification for violence, the church has correctly in time looked back and said, that ain't right. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I don't, I don't know exactly what the future holds for our nation, uh, but I certainly hope that the church would have the integrity uh, to recognize that kind of wrapping the the flag with a sword and a cross is is not the way forward yeah the image of the cross being processed up the capitol steps um i think it's kind of burned into my brain and juxtaposed, right, with how we process a cross in the liturgy, right? And I just think how those two activities are on opposite sides of the spectrum, right? A cross being processed towards violence, um, towards hatred, fueling division, right? Um, and a cross that's inviting us to prayer through the liturgy, inviting us for, inviting us into self-offering, um, you know, inviting us to look at the cost and terrible beauty of love. Yeah, I, I'm reminded, Kellen, at the moment that, you know, many processional crosses throughout the church's history, uh, less so in modern times, uh, at, at least within Anglicanism, you know, the processional cross would have the body of Christ on it, mm-hmm. uh, an image of sacrificial love, um, an image of a God willing uh, to relinquish power right. for the sake of the world. Yeah, it's like, how did the cross become a symbol for power, for worldly power in the way that it has? I just like lament that. And I think like American Christians need to take like some serious stock of where we stand and what we've become. Uh, yeah, and I, I, this is a point that I feel like I tr- make a lot, um, and I don't know if it's helpful in this context, but the, pro- the, the problem with Christianity is that, that Christianity wants everything, and that Jesus wants everything. And that will mean that we... Christians um, are required to be Christians before we're anything else. Um, We are Christians before we are Democrats. We are Christians before we are Republicans. 
and we're certainly Christians before we're a group of 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 an angry mob storming the capital, uh, ready to to cause violence in in that place. But I think most of us, if we're being honest, are ready and willing to put all types of things in front of being Christian, and then use that Christianity. Uh, as a means to advance another agenda. So for those of us who are marked as Christ's own forever in baptism and called to carry our cross wherever we go, right? Um, I think we have some serious work to do. Um, Maybe the number one being the work of prayer, (laughs) the work of prayer for our nation, for our own communities, around parish communities that feel these divisions um, intensely right now. Um, I think that there's the work of proclaiming truth and the work of justice. And I don't have like simple, easy, (laughs) practical things to offer you for those right now. Um, I think as communities, we need to Um, be prayerful and discerning on how to have hard conversations, move forward, and keep each other accountable, love each other a little bit better than we have. And you are love, 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 and with all that Kellen, you're preaching uh, this coming Sunday, and the the reading uh, from the gospel is from the gospel of John, uh, the first chapter. And in that gospel reading, we hear about Jesus going to Galilee, where he finds Philip, asks Philip to follow him, and Philip does. Uh, But additionally, what we learn is that Philip goes out and finds Nathanael and gets Nathanael uh, to follow him uh, to find Jesus. And when Nathaniel encounters uh, Christ, when Nathaniel sees Jesus, uh, Jesus uh, reveals that he knows some things about Nathaniel. And Nathaniel is a bit confused and, and how, how it was that Jesus knew these things about him. Um, and then we get a, a confession from Nathaniel where Nathaniel says, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the king of Israel. And then Jesus wants to know how it is that he has come to believe this um, and assures Nathaniel that he will see uh, great things in the future, uh, that he will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. So I think this is a really lovely and quirky scene from the Gospel of John. Um you know, Nathaniel's question to Philip about Jesus, like, can anything good come out of Nazareth? I think, um, yeah, it just like underscores the importance of where people come from. And like the Messiah was not expected to come from Nazareth. And um, that Jesus kind of comes from this backwater, small town, 
locale um, doesn't give him much to go on with these soon-to-be disciples. But it's other things that are, right, beckoning those disciples towards him, like where he's actually from. Yeah, the, the Gospel of John, I think, and this, and this reading in particular, suggests that Jesus's origin is not simply um, one that can be located in Nazareth, but has a divine origin um, that, that Jesus is from heaven. I mean, it doesn't say that directly, but it does say that, that Nathaniel will see angels um, ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Yeah, the gospel certainly implies that <laughs> Jesus comes from somewhere else um, to begin with. I think that um, one of the gems of this passage is Philip's invitation to Nathaniel, right? The simple, like, come and see. <laughs> it's really, um, it's almost like playful on one hand, like come and see for yourself, like come have a look, come engage. Like it's just sort of this open-ended invitation. Like I've experienced something wonderful in this person of Jesus and I want other people to have that same experience. Um, And I just think like the vocation of the Christian is like to offer that invitation all the time to like all sorts of people to like anyone we encounter, like, come and see, like, come and see for yourself um, what Jesus can do and who he is. I imagine that Philip was a person of integrity, that Philip was a person that could be trusted. And so thinking about what you're saying, Kellen, causes me to reflect on my own life and, and to think a moment about if I'm going to invite someone uh, to see Christ, if I'm going to invite someone to encounter Christ with me, um, is my re- life reflective, a life that's been transformed by Christ such that anyone would take that invitation seriously? But maybe just to qualify a bit of what I just said, God seems ready and willing to work with imperfect people, uh, folks whose lives aren't uh, fully formed yet. And so I think we can, on the one hand, hold seriously the call uh, towards a life of integrity that would that would cause other people, uh, allow other people to trust us, but then also to walk a bit lightly and know that God, God can, can work with broken and incomplete things and does and has throughout history. Make me a vessel of your love Without you I don't have enough Holy Spirit Here's a prayer from our prayer book for the unity of the church. O God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, our only Savior, the Prince of Peace, give us grace seriously to lay to heart the great dangers we are in by our unhappy divisions. Take away all hatred and prejudice and whatever else may hinder us from godly union and concord. 
that as there is but one body and one spirit, one hope of our calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, so we may be all of one heart and of one soul, united in one holy bond of truth and peace, of faith and charity, and may with one mind and one mouth glorify you through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you all for joining us on this MTPU's episode. It was really great to be back with you. We hope that you had a very Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, a blessed epiphany, um, and that you are waiting through this January. All right. Please stay safe. Wear your mask. Keep distanced. Um, we just got news that some of our prisoners are starting to get vaccinated, which is amazing, and I'm praising God for that. Um, so if you need any more information about that, prisoners, Macon County Health Department is your go-to place. We love you. We miss you. God's peace. <laughs>